Pray with me. Dear Lord, we come before you today, your children, loving you and thanking you for loving us so perfectly. Help us, Lord, to grow in our salvation, to be closer to you and to the body of Christ. Help us to have wisdom to navigate the waters of the times in which we live. To bypass the confusion and misdirection of the world. And to live the life of faith that you've called us to in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn over to John chapter 16. Yeah, John chapter 16. Around the 23rd and 24th verses. John 16 verses 23 and 24. Jesus speaking. says, and in that day, today, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto, before now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and You shall receive that your joy may be full. That's awesome. Just let the gravity of that sink in on you for a minute. That's That's powerful. Jesus said it, so that settles it. He basically... Gave you a blank check book. (laughs) Said, fill it in, sign it, cash it. But most of the body of Christ suffers from a real poverty mentality. Second Corinthians. Chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 9. says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be rich. Now. Some people think, well, Jesus wasn't rich and 
He didn't mean that we're supposed to be believing for a bunch of worldly things. And there is some truth to that. Although, you know, there's a reason they didn't want to tear up his robe. They wanted to gamble for it and keep it all in one piece. It was the nicest there was of this time. All one piece. Nevertheless, he did hang suspended there between heaven and earth, penniless, without home, all for our sakes. Everything uh, accomplished by the atonement carries a lot of weight. High price. And everything he, it cost him, it blessed us. And so why wait until we get to heaven to enjoy the blessings of God when he's told us, ask and you will receive. Just use my name. It's all on account, not on account of you, but it's on your account, on account of what he did. (laughs) Your account is full and whatever you take out of your account, it will not diminish by a single drop or penny because it's his account. You say, well, I'm still struggling with this because it sounds like you're kind of pointing me to the world. I'm not. Because when Jesus said things, he, he assumed that you would belong to him and agree with him, right? I mean, all the things going on around us, it sure makes you want to defend the Lord, doesn't it? He didn't call us to defend him, though. He called us to agree with him. And so he expects when he made his promises and said the things he did, that we would understand that. You go over to, to the back towards Revelation, you find a couple of letters from John. First John, verse chapter 5, verse 15. Let's go to 14. 14 and 15. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. John said, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, in, in God. We can be confident in some things. We don't have to, to wonder and not be sure or assured of things. We can be very confident in our salvation and in God. And He's not the mysterious being that everyone makes Him out to be. There's a lot of things we don't know and don't need to know quite frankly, can't handle. But there's a lot that we can know. And he put it all in this book. He hid it in here for us, not from us. Verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, what does it say next? According to his will, will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. In other words, if we're praying according to his will, we know he hears us and we know he's granted the petitions or the requests of our heart. 
So it goes back to Amos 3.3. How can two walk together lest they be agreed? He's trying to get us to line up with his thinking so that he can get his desires into our heart and grant the desires of our heart because they're one and the same. Amen? But we're called to a life of faith, aren't we? Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God, not in your own strength, not in your own resources, not in the government. A lot of folks these days like to make God out of a government. God's against that because. He wants us to be totally, completely, utterly reliant and dependent upon Him. There was a woman in the gospel who went to get her daughter healed and she was not a Hebrew. And Jesus said that He had come to help the the Hebrew children and not the dogs. She said, well, even the little dogs get to the scraps that fall beneath the table. What did he say about that? How humiliating to start with. How degrading it must have seemed. But Jesus said, that's great faith. He healed her daughter, but he blessed her for all time. He said, that's great faith. Faith is humble. She could have walked away. But how can you when you're convinced that your source is right there of what you have to? So she wasn't putting on any airs. She was willing to get down there with the dogs. He's God. Call her whatever she want, he wants. In fairness, he... The name he used for dog is like a little puppy. And he was telling the truth that legally he had been sent first to the children of Israel. And believe me, he was glad she stuck with it. But he called that great faith. Great faith is simply an understanding Humble faith is simply knowing that He is our source and He's the source of everything good and without Him we're nothing and can do nothing and have nothing. Even if our bank account is zero or even if our bank account is 50 million, it's all just a facade. Without Him, He says, unless, unless He watches over the city, the guards in the guard towers, He said, they're just wasting their time. They watch in vain. 
One of my favorites. They're just wasting their time if he's not there helping them. He's the protector. He's the guard. He's the source of everything good. Not us. Anything that teaches you, the world to teach you, you know, hey, have a little faith in yourself. Sounds good. Sounds real good. That's such a nice thing. Oh, thanks for encouraging my my family, my kid, my me. You're such a nice person. Yeah, man. You deserve it. Have a little faith in yourself. That's new age stuff, believe me. That's not from God. People start telling me how much I deserve something. I'm like, thank you, but no. What I deserve, I didn't get. That's mercy. Thank you for your mercy, Lord, for not giving me what I deserved and for your grace. Giving me that which I haven't earned. That's all I care about. I don't want to I don't want to know the world's way. I don't want to hear their nice niceness, how they what they disguise and call love and tolerance and all that. I'm not ever going to call those things that are evil good just to get along with the world. I'm not going to judge you. But I'm going to judge that sin. And if you hate me and call me a hater for it, well, fine. Because I'm really the one that loves you. Praying for you. But my faith is in God. Jesus said have faith in God. So I'm going to have my faith is in God. Not in the world. I'm not going to change my answers. To get along with you in the world. To be accepted by you when it disagrees with God. I belong to Him. He came and saved me when I cried out to Him. I promised Him that day if He would come I would never ask Him to leave. And I never will. Jesus, in Hebrews 12, 2, doesn't say that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So, I'm going to stick with Jesus. Because I've been called to a life of faith, not a life of sin. That's what I was called from. And the Bible teaches me now that I've been called to this life of faith. Anything that's not of faith is sin. And that's really drastic if you think about it. I had a preacher that I love who I think is way off and he thinks I'm way off. And he told me that he has gotten to the place of perfection in thought and deed. Wow. Okay. I haven't. I'm perfect in my spirit. That's the part that God, God fixed. <laughs> Ran off the devil and then he sealed it up before I could screw it up. 
Right? So that part of me is, is good. Because if it's, not, if it's not God, it's not good, right? Know what Jesus told that guy? Say, good master, what do you call me good for? Only God is good. He should have stuck with it like that woman did who was trying to get her daughter healed. He should have said, that's right, and I'm in it. You're good. You're my God. But he didn't have that revelation like Peter did. Which comes from God, so we won't be too hard on him. Author and finisher of our faith. He's gonna he's gonna he started a good work in in you. And he's gonna finish it. He's got a plan, doesn't he? A perfect plan. Oh, we struggle so hard to enter into that plan. What is it, Lord? Just show it to me. Just put me on just set me on the tracks and let me quit floundering around out here. Please, Lord. I'm begging you. <laughs> but are we standing in faith? He called us to a life of faith. Because nothing's impossible with God. But where in our lives, where in our hopes, in our dreams, in our prayers, are we believing for anything bigger than what we can accomplish? Anytime we go to dream and are thinking, we start thinking about our bank account. How can we make this happen? How can... And right there, I think we're missing God a little bit. I think that He shows off a lot better in situations where we just believe for something so crazy in the natural that we could never, ever hope to accomplish it in our lifetime but in our own strength and by our own means. That's when He goes, now... I can participate in that because I'm pretty sure you won't try to take credit. <laughs> you know, he he gave Solomon. Everybody talks about Solomon, how great he was and everything. Solomon was only great for a minute when he was young. Prayed the right prayer. He was humble. Lord, just give me wisdom to lead your people. He, he could have had anything. What do you want, Solomon? Lord, just give me wisdom to lead your people. And because of that, he gave him everything, you know. But in the law, in Leviticus, he had also said, don't, don't, don't lay up a bunch of wealth and don't for yourself and don't lay up a bunch of women for yourself. And he did everything opposite of what God told him to do. People say, why did he give Solomon all these wives? He didn't. He allowed it, but he didn't bless it. But through those women, foreign gods came in. You see, there is the temptation for that. All through his, all his mighty chariots and horses, you know, there's the temptation to be dependent 
upon your power, your, your military strength. You see? There's a reason God didn't want him to have all these things. It's like, it's not, I'm not trying to keep things from you. I'm trying to keep me with you. I'm trying to keep you dependent upon me. Because when you're with me, nothing's impossible. He, he sent Moses. We know how Moses tried it his way. Moses at 40 was like most of us. It looks like my time, my season. I see what I'm supposed to do now. Let me get to it. And he went out and killed that Egyptian soldier. And it didn't work out like they thought, like he thought. Even the Hebrews didn't congratulate him for it. And he had to run. But when he sent him back 40 years later, he said, what's in your hand? A stick. <laughs> All right. You're going to do a lot of great things with that stick. This little stick. Yeah. And I think we forget to, we so, we get, it's so easy to get focused on what we don't have we forget to see what we do have. Stick. What? Throw it down. Offer it to me. Throw it in the basket. You ain't doing much good right now. Offer it over to me. Turn into a snake. He ran, which is smart. God said, what? Pick it up by the tail, which no reasonable person would do. But Moses had done things his way and failed. And he'd been out there 40 years in the desert, hoping for another opportunity. And I believe he just said, man, if I get another chance, I'm going to do it his way. And so knowing that you don't pick a poisonous snake up by the tail, he did it anyway. Just believing that if God said it, then all the protection and everything I need is in there. Just like when Abraham went up that mountain to, to sacrifice Isaac. He just had faith in God. He just didn't even doubt. Even if he had to do it, God was able to raise him from the dead. God had a plan. He told me to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm not going to question him anymore. I'm going to quit kicking against the goads. And when he picked that stick back up, it was a powerful instrument of God. He did a lot of great things. We can too. David, what do you got in your hand? A uh, slingshot? Some rocks? Kill that giant. <laughs> With full armor on and everything. Samson, what do you got in your hand? Jawbone of an ass. 
This is a donkey's bone off the ground. Will he kill a thousand Philistines? The enemies of God? God's people? Hey, you disciples, well, we, how much food do we have? There's a lot of people here hungry. Uh, really, nothing. This kid's got a sack lunch here. Five loaves. Well, they criticized Jesus blessed. Fed 5,000. You getting the point? Twelve men against the whole world. Armed with just the gospel of Jesus Christ. In just a few years, they turned the world upside down. God can take a seed and give you a crop. What's in your hand? You just need to get started. But there is something that we have to remember. We don't want to look back. Hebrews 11th chapter and then we're done. All the way in the back. Past all those T's. And Philemon a half a page and then Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, I mentioned that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That starts off chapter 12, I think. So back up a little bit to the beginning of chapter 11. The great faith chapter. Now faith, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We have to get our hopes up. People so afraid to get their hopes up that they might be disappointed. If your hope is in God, you'll never be disappointed. But you have to get your hopes up because if you can't hope for it, you can't see it. And if you can't see it, you won't say it. And if you won't see it and say it, you won't stand in faith believing for it. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, when you stand praying, believe that you have have what you pray for. Believe that you have it, and you shall have it. <laughs> Hope is the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So without hope, there's nothing to release your faith toward. Hope is just using your imagination in a godly way. See it. See God's vision. See God's dream for your life. See what He's birthed in your heart. See it. To where when you open your eyes, sometimes you just rather close them back because you can see it better with them closed. You can see the reality of your vision. That God has birthed in your heart. 
And you can release your faith and stand believing. For by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. He was just taken away and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What pleases God? Believing him, believing in him, hoping in him, trusting in him. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So many people are afraid of God. They're running from him instead of to him. And it says here we have to believe that he's a rewarder of those that are seeking him. By faith Noah being warned of God, warned of God of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear. It had never even rained when he started building that boat, which took him 120 years to build on dry land. That's faith. That's why it says of things not seen yet. It never rained before then. The water, it, everything was watered from underground. Isn't God cool? He moved without fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he called, was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. God said, go, and he went. And when he left, he was rich where he was. He had family, generations and generations of family doing well. He was there. And God just said, get your stuff and go. Out into the desert, <laughs> basically. And he went. That's faith. Just trusting God more than what you see. Or what you know. By faith... He, Abraham, sojourned, he journeyed into the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, his children, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. People talk about Sarah, how she just laughed and all that and she didn't really, but she, she did have faith. She believed God as well. And that's why it came to pass. They slipped a little bit in their faith there for a while, and, but they went back. Therefore, Sprang there even of one, and 
good as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In other words, this isn't our home. We belong to God. They heard all these promises about the, the beauty of Jesus Christ, really, which they were died waiting for. For they that say, these, say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, here's what I was trying to get to. Verses 15 and 16. And truly, okay, so far we're talking about Abraham and Sarah in this faith chapter. We've gotten to Abraham and Sarah and how God called them from comfortable surroundings and friendly and familiar environments and family and it gets to go into parts unknown. The world wasn't even familiar to people like it is now. There was no internet, no phones. There wasn't even a a stagecoach. There wasn't anything like that. And they went. And they trusted God and they just became His. And no matter what He said, they knew that He was God and they weren't. And they were just settled on agreeing with God. And this is the place we need to be. And look here in verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. They weren't thinking about where they had been. They weren't longing for home. They had put it out of their mind. Otherwise, if they had kept thinking about it, the temptation would have continued to rise up. And they would have gone back, or they might have gone back. This is a picture of salvation. Verse 16, But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly one, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. We can't even imagine the wonderful things that God has plan for us who believe in Him, who love Him, and are called according to His purpose. But Jesus said, if once you put your hands to the plow, once you decide to be mine, to live for me, you put your hands to the plow and look back, He said, then you're you're not fit for the kingdom of God. So this is a strict warning from God and from Jesus He even says it another way in a parable. He says, who of you would build a a tower without first sitting down and thinking how much it's going to cost you? I need this many two by fours, this many man hours of labor, so forth and so on. A good foundation. Okay, if I can't, I don't I don't think I can. I don't think I can get there. Or. Yeah, I got it covered, I think. So let's get started. 
He said, if, if, if you're not even that wise to sit down and think of the cost, he said, you might get started and halfway through it, have to abandon the project, and then you're going to be the laughing stock of everybody. He's, he's comparing that with our salvation. He says, this is a big undertaking. That's why I tell people, you know, if you got saved, I mean, if you got baptized when you were a baby and they sprinkled some water on you, or if you were like me, I got drunk one time I was baptized and then another t- time I was baptized in another setting. And neither time did I have a real heart transformation or commitment to the Lord. It was all religion, which is just more of a hobby or a worldly thing. Has no power to save. So I, when I really got saved and born again, my wife and I, she had been baptized as well. We got baptized again. We got baptized together because then it meant something. It was an outer expression of an inner commitment which had already taken place. A change. And that's what God is saying. He said they didn't think about where they had been. Otherwise, they might have been tempted to go back. And in verse 16, he talks about they were thinking about something else. A heavenly city. Made by God, which he had prepared for them. The point is <clears throat> to, to live the life of faith that God called us to. And I talk about our thought life all the time. We have to change our thinking. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he or she. So we have to look at our thought process because what he's saying that if they were thinking about Where they had been, the temptation, let's go back. It's too hard out here. We have everything we need back there. Let's go back. No. And so we don't don't get rid of negative thinking. I'm I'm trying to make a point. Instead of just telling us what to do, I'm trying to tell us how to do it because I've I've studied this and prayed about this and sought God about this for some years now. And the truth is we don't get rid of negative thinking or negative thoughts by rebuking them or trying to avoid them. We have to replace them. If I tell you, man, I love apples. I have an apple tree in my backyard. I really do. And it's for the second year now, I got apples off of it. This year, we actually ate the apples so good. I love apples. I never really knew we could grow them here. But apples are wonderful, aren't they? But I don't want you guys to think about apples anymore. So don't think about apples. No apples. Are you thinking about apples? Yeah. <laughs> You're still thinking about apples. Well, I tell you, don't think about apples. You're thinking about apples, aren't you? But if I say, don't think about apples, let's think about oranges. Oranges are wonderful. I love all God's fruit. Bananas are cool too. I like how they come in their own wrapper and God is just so perfect. And then they're just, they're ready to eat right there. But see, it's a lot easier not to think about apples when you put oranges and bananas in your mind, right? It's the same way with our thought life. When, you know, if I just, when God took away drinking and drugs and smoking and all that stuff out of my life. You know, I was so thankful that he did it because he replaced it with wonderful things from his word. And that's what we have to do. 
Everything that we need for the life he's called us to is found in the contents of this book. The promises of God. He has a much better life in store for us. A much better plan for our life than we ever did. And it's a lot better than just trying to go through some sort of 12-step program where you're still saying, I'm a this or I'm a that. No, you're not. If you're born again, that old man is dead and everything has become new. And so the enemy is going to continue to try to remind you and make you think you're that old man, but you're not. So don't, don't join a program that says you are and don't say it yourself. And if, if you don't believe what God has said about you, then find someone who does. Because by Jesus' stripes you were healed and he became poor that you could be rich. And every other blessing of God in this word, in this word is true as it pertains to any person it pertains to you. Now, if you keep saying the opposite, you're going to have what you say. If you say what you see, you're going to have what you say. If you see your bank account and you know that you're in trouble, you keep talking about that, it's not going to change. Because you're actually giving it life by your words, which are powerful. We need to say the opposite. And now this isn't some kind of a gimmick. This is just trusting God more than we trust ourselves. More than we trust what we see. The Bible says that Jesus is anointed with wisdom and knowledge and all these things. And it says he, he will not judge. It's talking about the days to come when we live with him in the earth. In the new Jerusalem. He says he's not going to judge by what he sees. Or what he hears. And neither should we. We should only judge by the truth that is found in God's word. And that includes our own lives and our own future and the plan that God has for us. Amen. He loves you. And he does have great plans. So look at that. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Nothing more true. But we have a part to play. And we don't want to sabotage God's efforts by undermining the truth of his word. By getting out of faith and into sin. And that could be as simple as just disagreeing with the promises of God. Regarding us and our situation. He never really thought of it that way probably. But just by, just by saying I'm sick and I'm broke. We're really in sin. God loves you. He's paid for your sin. So don't be condemned. But I'm just saying we're opening doors for the enemy to come in and we strengthen his position instead of God's in that situation when we give credit to the devil instead of to God. Amen. All right. So let's agree with God and, and uh, see if we can expedite the fast track for the plan that God has for us. Amen. All right. Father, thank you so much for loving us and teaching us and reminding us of all the these simple truths in, from your word, Lord, but so important, so fundamental, foundational. Basically, just reminding us to keep our trust and our focus on you, Lord, and our trust in your promises for our life. We love you and we thank you that you've paid such a high price. Help us not to miss out on the 
provision that you've put on account for us during this life. And help us to be strong in our faith and to help others to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen.